2: Good morning, Mr. Phelps. The man you're looking at is Walter Townsend, one of our high-ranking intelligence officers, whom we recently discovered is a top enemy agent. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to get the document. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or
0: killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct
2: in five seconds. Good luck, Jim.
0: to unmask a criminal. I think it's time we turned up the heat. You need to get inside their mind. You better believe it. But when you're outside the law. The secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. It can be a long way back. Hands up.
1: Get out of there. Get out now.
0: You're in serious trouble, yes? Your information is impeccable. The very best in covert ops. Mission Impossible.
2: There's a really big shoe tonight. A really big
1: show tonight. Yes, sir. We've really got a spectacle for you this time.
2: Hey, I'm
0: Christy Lee from All Girls Garage and Barrett Jackson on Velocity, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
1: Hey, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Town, talk1340.com, and cheek live here in the studio in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, dot where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Would you like to do the social media honors? Sure. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, at NRC on Air, and at Gulfstream Motorsports Absolutely. on Instagram. That's right. Now, been a little stormy here. Now, if you caught the beginning of the series, we did a little play on Mission Impossible. Now, that's kind of a tribute to the TV show. Martin Landau, who's one of the original cast members for that uh, TV series, passed away this week. And uh, he was the man that was considered the master of disguises. So that's why we played the Mission Impossible little clip we did for you. Any rate, let's see what's going on this week. Well, let's see. Last week, yeah, last week we were kind of out of town. We were like, uh, I don't know, what about a thousand miles away, probably, Something like that. We uh, participated in NAM, which is the National Association of Music Merchants in Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City, and uh, that was a pretty impressive event. We enjoyed that immensely. Now, there's two events that go on two NAM events. There's a big one in LA, and they have roughly. I think uh, 10,000 people that attend that particular event versus, oh, excuse me, 100,000 people that attend that vet event versus 10,000 people attend the event at the uh, convention center in downtown um, Nashville. Now, I got to tell you, that is probably the most impressive downtown convention center that we have ever seen. Wouldn't you say that, Bobby?
0: Mm-hmm. Hell oh, yeah.
1: Orlando is pretty impressive, and it's large, and it's huge. But from a creative standpoint, Nashville has got a pretty, pretty impressive uh, facility there. And uh, so I urge everybody, you know, just Google it. Uh, Nashville Convention Center is really, really nice. Now, not only do they have that, they have, what, the Musicians Hall of Fame there? Is that what they have, Bobby? Yes, they do. And then they have, what was the building across the street? That was something else. Uh, they have a—they uh, have the Ryman Auditorium. The Ryman which is the original Grand Ole Opry. Then they have a Johnny Cash Museum, a June Cash Museum. In fact, there's probably a museum dedicated to every uh, country musician uh, that's pretty much made, uh, made their successes entertaining in Nashville. And uh, the whole downtown area is going through a complete downtown revitalization, you know, which is interesting because my background is actually real estate. So, you know, from a realtor standpoint, you know, it's interesting how a lot of towns go through this really, really, really bad period and they just, It's kind of like they just let it go to pieces. And then all of a sudden, the big developers and the money people just jump all over the place. And then they bring some new life to it. And that's exactly what they've done. I mean, the amount of people, the tourists that were there in um, Nashville was just absolutely incredible. The neat thing about it is it's 10 minutes, 10, 15-minute drive from the airport. It was uh, very easy to navigate. Um, Parking was not a problem, although it was at a premium. But once you park your car, you can pretty much walk for blocks and blocks and miles and miles, and there's just tons and tons of restaurants, entertainment, uh, what would you call them? lounges, you know? I mean, just about, I'll tell you what, one thing that amazed the heck out of us was is every restaurant, every bar, every lounge, probably even a subway, but we didn't check that, has music. There's no shortage of musicians in Nashville. They're definitely not that. And then uh, while we were there, because this was the National Association of uh, Music Merchant, National Association, how do I say that again, Bobby? NAM. NAM, right. Okay. National, National Association, Association of Music Merchants. That's it, right. Okay, so basically it's anybody and everybody and that uh, makes, manufactures, sells, primarily manufactures, uh, musical instruments, audio equipment. So whether you're into guitars, whether you're into pianos, whether you're in saxophones, whether you're into a harp, harps. Whether you make guitar cases, uh, soundboards, whether you make pedals, whether you make uh, strings, whether you make uh, all kinds of musical accessories, that is where you want to go. You hear me talking about SEMA all the time. SEMA is the Special Equipment Marketing Association, and that is B2B, business to business. That's for dealers and vendors only, it's not open to the public. And that's where you want to go. That's, that's in uh, Las Vegas, usually in the fall in November. And uh, so basically, anybody and everybody and who's who in the industry will show up. At SEMA, well, NAM is basically the same thing. It's the music version of SEMA, and uh, so they have a a second event that they do, which for a number of years kind of bounced around a little bit, but this time uh, they've kind of settled in and, in in uh, Nashville, and uh, it was a fun event. It really was. So um, we had a chance to experience that. We also went to a couple of vintage guitar places there. A friend of mine told me to go check out Carter's Vintage Guitars. Pretty amazing selection of guitars there, and the other one was Groons and they've been around for a long time too, Groon's Vinny's Guitars. So if you're in Nashville, definitely check out Carter's, definitely check out uh, Groon's. Plenty of other things to see there. You know, it's funny because we were kind of remembered, but we were actually caught off guard because I forgot that uh, Nashville is actually the capital of Tennessee. So the state capitol building was there too, which, you know, there's a lot of monuments, there's parks, obviously Vanderbilt University, which if I had to make a bet if Vanderbilt University was in Nashville, I would have lost that bet because I'm thinking Vanderbilt, you know, be New England or someplace like that or, you know, Virginia, or someplace in the South. No, it was in uh, in uh, Nashville. And what was the other university there? begins with a B? Belmont. Belmont, okay. So, anyway, so Nashville is a pretty exciting city. Something going on there all the time. And uh, definitely the entertainment capital of uh, the South here, I would say. So, let's see. What are we working on right now? One of the things that I did today is I took the liberty of going and checking out some Ford dealerships. Oh. And the reason I did that is because I was... Uh, I'm working on an, on an appraisal right now. Actually, I'm doing a diminished value, okay? We talked about that from time to time, and that is, you know, newer cars that have been involved in an accident to reestablish the value of a crash car post the accident, okay? So, in other words, before the accident, you know, you get a, uh, a truck that might be worth $30,000. It's involved in an accident. It looks good, runs good, goes down the road straight, doesn't cry or anything like that, but it's been involved in a wreck. It's got a dirty Carfax. Just say, show me the Carfax. And uh, therefore, it's not worth what it was before. So who owes who what? Well, obviously, the insurance company or the insured, the person you know, the, uh, owes the claimant, uh, basically, the difference in the value of what he would have lost had the car not been involved in an accident. So you need a pre, pre-accident value. So what I typically do, what I do, okay, I don't do what they call desktop appraisals or valuations or anything like that. I literally get in my truck, go to wherever the house is. I physically look at the vehicle. I physically inspect the vehicle. Sometimes I go to the body shops. I get a copy of the, the accident report if I can. If not, definitely I look at the uh, the estimate. And then I break down the estimate and try to establish the the extent of the damage. Typically, if it's frame damage, you can almost write the car off. It's like seriously, you know, 30 40% off. Rough book, okay? We have... And I brought a black book with me tonight. Now, I was interested because I was talking to a couple of dealers. The black book is what dealers look. If you're, if you're looking at our video here. Is that a little music in the background there, Bobby? That's some Mario Speedwagon creeping cute? up on us. Yeah, well, you know what? I think they're in concert here somewhere close by, are they, tonight? Yes, Mid-Florida Credit Union Amphitheater yeah, the is what we're told. In Tampa. Hey, you're tuning in to Nostalgic Reading Cars. I'll be back and finish my little story here. In the meantime, enjoy a little REO Speedwagon. I used to...
0: At you. Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus Show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center and beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place. And you can reach us personally at 727 543-1601. uh uh-huh.
1: Okay, we're back. You're into nostalgia Nostalgic Reading Cars. Okay, now I was talking about diminished values, and I was talking about the Black Book. Now, dealers, dealers, and wholesalers, us old schoolers, all use, still use the Black Book. So when you open up with, uh, a page, let's say, for example, and uh, my eyeballs aren't that good, but I'm just going to go from memory here. We have four categories. We have extra clean, clean, average, and rough book. Now, by the way, we got uh, a special guest just dropped in on us. I'd like to welcome Alan to the show. You know, I like it when Alan pops in because I really like that theme song. In fact, we're going to do a show one night, just TV show theme songs out of the 60s, and Alan's going to sit isn't here. Isn't that Cars. what the show's all about anyway? <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah. hi, Alan. How you doing? Fine. So, anyway, so this is what we use as a dealer. Now, if a car is really, let's say it's a 2015 truck, for example, if I'm buying the car at an auction, I'm going to buy it a clean book. Try to buy it at average, but clean is probably where it's going to be. If the vehicle has had any issues or high mileage or low options, we automatically get a rough book. If the vehicle's damaged, we go behind rough book. If the extent of the damage, let's say, for example, airbags, okay? And Good now luck. let me ask you a question, Alan, you're a mechanic. Okay, so is an airbag to you just as critical as if the ABS system was
0: damaged on the car? Well, um, ABS is active, but it's not. The airbags are... They protect you in a crash. ABS may or may not stop you from having a crash, depending if you're texting. Okay, there you go. The ABS okay. does not work when you're texting. Right, but
1: ABS is a critical component of the car. Fair statement? I would say yes, but I got
0: ABS between my ears. <laughs> and also, <laughs> ABS, you if you're up north and you're the brakes with the ABS, it takes you further to stop than it does on pavement because it, when it's snowing. Yeah, it's slow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it takes you longer to stop.
1: Yeah, it's like somebody with arthritis trying to react. That's pretty much what it is. You know? Well,
0: actually, what it does, it, it, it doesn't let the snow build up in front of the tires. It helps slow it down. It rolls over the snow. That's
1: okay. Here, that's you what it can is.
0: Wrote about that. Check that out in Road and Track.
1: Bobby, you can play that clip one more time now because we missed it the first time.
0: You two are just dumber a bag of hammers. Okay. i have
1: got some pretty good hammers. That sounds very discriminatory. Anyway, all right. Now, what I, what, what I was hanging out with this dealer dude today. And, dealer dude, listen to me. I'm sounding like I'm, I'm 18. Wow. I'm millennial. But anyway, when I was hanging out with one of the uh, wholesalers that I know, he's uh, our uh, car sales managers. He says, we don't use uh black book anymore. We use NDA book. Now, let me just kind of clue you guys in. You can go to KBB, which is a Kelly Blue Book. You can go to Edmonds, okay? And everybody says, "Well, Edmonds says this, and KBB says that." Well, I say KBB and Edmonds don't write checks. Okay, dealers write checks. I write a check for a vehicle. Now, Edmonds, KBB, and, and the NADA book put the numbers a little bit higher. So, if we're trying to get your car financed, obviously we want to, you know, show the bank. Oh, yeah, NADA says this, KBB says that, and so on and so on. But when I'm trying to buy the car, which means I'm generally a buyer, so I'm a, I'm trying to steal it. I'm going to use the black book. And I'm going to go by the auction numbers. Actually, I'm not even going to go by the auction numbers because that's if I was selling it. So I got to buy it behind whatever the auction number is. That's what we call behind book. That's the term we use. So anyway, while I'm while I'm uh, snooping around here, um, so here's a here's an example. I'm doing a 2015 Ford truck, right? And it's got, and for example, there's a number of engine options. There's a 3.5 EcoBoost, a 2.6, there's 2.7 EcoBoost or 2.6. Uh, a 2.6 or 7, whatever it is, non-eco-boot. I don't know anything about late model cars. Um, have no idea. And then there's a 5.0, which we all know what that is. That's a V8. Okay. So now there, the values, the option is like a 1500 to $2,500 option to go from a 6 with a pair of turbos hung on the side of it versus uh, a V8 versus a standard motor. Now, if you have a standard motor in it, let's just say the base motor, in the black book, it which any idea book doesn't show, but for us dealers, our little secret little black book that we have, it basically says deduct for a crap motor okay it's kind of like if you had a six-cylinder car versus a four-cylinder and a six is the one that kind of got it out of its own way and you got a four-cylinder they're going to tell you to deduct deduct okay if it's a low option car deduct if it doesn't have this deduct okay so that's how that kind of works
0: no air conditioning deduct 15 percent
1: oh yeah more than that you know deduct 50 percent if you got no air so at any rate so but the interesting thing was okay. So the sticker on this 2015 Ford XLT Crew Cab truck with the two point with the optional 2.6 twin turbocharged EcoBoost was forty five thousand dollars. A 2017, a 2017 is forty seven and change. Call it forty eight. A Lariat Platinum Edition or whatever it is with all the goodies on it is. $65,000 for a crew cab pickup truck. Now, think about that. 65 Gs. When I walked into the store, this is for all you guys out there, and, and I'm friends with all the Ford dealers around here because obviously I'm a Ford guy. They're knocking off, off a Ford F-150. You walk in there, they're taking twelve five dollars off right off the top. $12,500 discount. Now, if you look at this $47,000 truck, and you... Knock, which is what I'm appraising, but I'm doing a 2015, which has gone up 2000 since 2015. You knock 12 grand off that. So you go 42, you're down to 35,000 bucks or less, plus whatever rebates and other incentives they got in and ever, however, 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 else you beat the crap out of them and, and threaten to walk out the door so they do whatever they got to do to sell you a truck. Throw in a TV, a flat screen, or some other uh, hokey little uh, goofy little fidget thingamabob. The value of this 2015, okay, let's assume it's had no damage, is 31 32 What are you going to buy? Are you going to buy a 2017 or are you going to buy a used, wore out, with, with 16,000. With no oil changes. With no oil changes. Right. right. Who's on the line there, Bobby? Uh, get, just take a guess. Since Alan's here, it's probably going to be... Tim? Charlie! Charlie. Oh,
0: bo- oh, oh, boy. It's Charlie, but we can hardly hey. wait. Oh, boy. Hey, Charlie, Charlie, make your lips move. And when you talk, <laughs> let us understand what you're saying. Go okay? easy. Go easy. Adam. Come on, Charlie. Charlie's got the floor. Okay, Charlie. How's it going, buddy? He's got the floor. Uh, He's first, of all,
2: first of all, there's a German Shepherd driving a Hyundai. Okay? hey. Uh, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, and getting back together. What a pair. Um, I saw Al having a drink with the drummer's wife last week in a lounge. I just want to let you know that.
1: Huh? Who's that? Well, we're, we're both stunned. We yeah, went
2: we to go stunned, see Charlie. the spark plugs. We had to go see the spark plugs later. And there
1: was Al with a drink in front of him. I got pictures. I'll send it to your phone, it's
0: a half a beer someone else is drinking, Charlie. I <laughs> you, Charlie, you sound like you drink. I don't drink. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> I, I got over
2: you,
0: yeah. God. Anyway. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, also the guitar player, I got music from him from 1980, which I got to get over to his house so he can download it.
1: Yeah, okay. Hey, you're telling to go out and have uh, fun. I mean, there's uh, no big yeah. I don't drink because... You don't I don't pay. need to. You don't need to. Well, yeah. no, 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 no. let me define this. I tell people, too, that I don't drink. I have a social beverage every once in a while, so it could be a beer. It could be a bourbon and Coke. In fact, while I was in Nashville, it's only right that you have Jack Daniels bourbon. Okay, so I had a Jack and Coke. I about fell out of the chair because how much do you think a drink normally costs if you go to, a, uh, let's say, a lounge?
0: Like a dollar and a quarter back then. Well, okay. So, so if you let's, get a, let's go into the this decade. Okay, this, this century, decade. Okay, so this let's,
1: let's just if you walk into a a, a a lounge, let's say at a hotel or something like that, they're going to charge you maybe two bucks for a coke, two fifty or something like that, and maybe three four dollars for a beer, and maybe five dollars for a mixed drink. I get the tab. It's nine bucks for 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 a, a small glass with Jack and Coke. And heavy, heavy on the ice. Yeah, yeah I was ticked about that. Yeah. And then the girl looks at me like, well, uh, 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 do you want me to make another one now? You know, keep in mind. Oh, yeah. The other thing is, we walked a mile and a half to get to to this place because it was open mic night in Nashville. I'm going to
0: spend $1,500 to get drunk here. Yeah, really, it's crazy.
1: (laughs) Anyway, back to the diminished value. Now, I think we got a guest coming on here in a little bit. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to pick up this story another time, and Alan and I are going to go beat on this thing back and forth. But we're going to beat it. But I wanted to let you guys know, hey, there's a whole bunch of car shows coming up this weekend. The big one next month is Monterey. But if you want to find out more about car shows, check out flacarshows.com. And don't forget to visit our good friend, Tara Bush, in Orlando. Wednesday night is night at Ace Cafe. Hey, you tune in to Nostalgic Winning Cars. We'll be right back. Ra- hey, we'll be,
0: hey, we'll be right back. We'll what, ha- t- ha- what happened to Charlie? Did you cut him off? No, he hung up. Oh, he he oh, yeah, because he had nothing left to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're tuning in to nostalgia Reading cars. We're bantering back and forth. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. And here's a little. What do we got here, Bobby? Nick Lowe. Oh, little, Hey, I'm, you know what? I feel like cracking up. see what,
0: what song? Cruel to be kind,
1: huh? None of no, no cracking no, no, up. Crackin up. Oh, okay. Very appropriate. Because that's us. what you're doing. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. We're cracking up. Okay, hey, we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial.
0: your seat belts and get ready for fun the gumball rally
2: has begun whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa. Go!
0: the gumball rally and all out anything goes absolutely illegal race from times square to the Pacific Ocean. No catalytic converter and no 55-mile-an-hour speed limit.
1: The next time out, I'm going to make sure you get a driver's license.
0: 35 magic hours, flat out against the red line. It's not a risk, it's a challenge. The drivers come in all shapes, sizes, and sexes.
2: Hey, slow that thing down! It you catch me!
0: from all walks of life all over the world the first rule
2: of Italian driving what's behind me is not important but in the
0: gumball rally the cars are the stars Camaro Corvette Cobra Porsche Ferrari Rolls-Royce. Kawasaki. They go over. Under. Around. And through. Anything that stands between them and the finish line. It's a mad, 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 mad world on wheels.
2: <laughs> but this is a race, man. Some
0: things are more important than winning. So, fasten your seatbelts. What's the matter with you? The gumball rally has begun.
1: Hey, this is Jack Broush, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio on Cars. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This lady's been on our show a number of times. She's the foremost lady automotive journalist. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening my good friend, the car coach, Lauren Fix. Lauren, how are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm good. How are you? So I've played, Gumball. I played it just yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> you. One had, of my favorite movies, if you've never seen Gumball Rally, we have this whole joke going amongst our other auto journalists where we call each other, we go, Gumball. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they, always, they call each other and just say Gumball and hang up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So and what, they all knew where to meet. They,
1: they all, all knew, knew where to meet. to meet. That's exactly right. Um, tell us what's going on with Ford Motor Company. What happened? Oh, well, to, what happened to Mr. Fields? I know you're up there and you're in the loop and you're in the you know, you're in the mix up there. So tell us about what happened that there.
2: That has to do with pressure from stockholders. They were like thinking that, you know, his decisions were were causing the company's stock to go down. And that's not really a fair assessment. And Mark Fields is a great guy. I have nothing negative to say about him. Um, he did a lot of good things for the company. He got Ford back into racing at Le Mans. He could have said no. He said yes. You know, and then, of course, you know, Rajner took it from there and a bunch of other people. And, you know, sometimes when stocks don't go well, somebody has to take the blame, and it's usually the guy at the top. So, you know, the, the Ford family and the shareholders decided that he was going to be the scapegoat. And the only good thing for him is he got to walk away with a Ford GT and a bunch of other really cool Fords. But I do not believe this is the end of Mr. Fields. I think he will appear again at some other brand. What I don't know, but uh, thinking and feeling it'll be soon.
1: What is? Uh, I, did you know him personally?
2: I knew him pretty good. I mean, we weren't like buddies. I didn't have his cell phone number or anything. But you know, I'm sure if I called him, he'd return my call.
1: Okay. Um, What's his background? Was really what was his? Nice what was his background?
2: He worked at Mazda. He worked his way up in Mazda. Oh, really? And he helped make Mazda successful. And as he had a team of people that worked with him, a good friend of mine, Ray Day, who I, I really enjoy talking to and a bunch of other people at Ford were part of his core team. So as he moved up, they moved up with him. So when he had the opportunity to replace Mulally, which is big shoes to fill. I mean, look what, look what Alan Malally did for Ford. But you got to also remember different times, different eras, people, are now buying crossovers and SUVs at record numbers and looking at sedans and going, mm, I guess. But, you know, Mustangs are still hot and Focus RSs are still hot. But I don't know too many people buying, I know they're selling, but I personally don't know too many people buying Tauruses and Fusions and Focuses. Not that they're bad cars, it's just, that's just the way it is. You know? Well, the Focus and,
1: has a little no. class action suit against it right now because the 2013, 12, 13, 14, 15. Sixteen cars with that goofy automatic transmission is kind of giving forward a black eye a little bit, but uh, that's another. Well, story.
2: then they had the problem with the sync, also sync three, which is their <clears throat> their interface between you and the car and your phone, because we all like live on our phones. Although the system worked, I had no problem with it. I guess it was a little cumbersome for some of their buyers, and I don't know if that means they were selling to older people that just weren't tech savvy or what the deal was, but. Every car company's got things going on right now. Mercedes has got a huge lawsuit going on in Europe. They're going to have 3 million diesel vehicles they're going to have to repair. Uh, you pick the brand, and we've got a subject matter. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, FCA's got a problem with their eco diesels Now They're, they're going to pay a huge fine and have to put them back together. You know, GM's got problems as well. I mean, just pick a brand, and every brand has got something going on. Uh, some are overcoming surprisingly like Volkswagen new products. Uh, I'm not a fan of electric vehicles, but they are selling them. Uh, although their gasoline powered vehicles are fun. They're fun to drive. The Golf and the Sportwagon and you know the new Tiguan and of course the new Atlas. So you're watching everyone overcoming and I think consumers have, as a whole don't hear it anymore. I think they have become deaf to Recall, recall, recall. Penalty. I think they don't. They don't hear it like we do. We hear it because we live it. But if you ask the average person in the street, "Hey, did you know that car has an ignition switch recall?" It does. For what? <laughs> like, wow. Where have you been under a rock? But I, I try to, you know, tell people if I see them, you know, especially if I know it's a, I call it a cadaver, the Cavalier. I, you know, <laughs> like that the ignition. It is what it is. Uh, well, I had like a two-star crash test rating, but that's what kids are driving. That's what they were driving. These are the vehicles that don't go off the road, although somehow some people think that everyone's buying a new car. There are lots of vehicles on the road that are 20 years old, and that's not that old anymore.
1: The uh, the um, Hyundai slash uh, what's their... their uh, Genesis? Hum- no. Well, no, the other company, Hyundai, and what's the other one? Kia, Kia yeah. Kia. All right. What's the, There's an engine recall. Right. Or something like that. They got like how many millions and millions and millions that hasn't even hit the hit the hit the that has not hit everybody yet, does it?
2: Well, it, it depends what you're driving to. Some vehicles have been fixed prior. Some haven't. And so that's you'll get a notification in the mail. However, if you're the second, third, fourth, fifth owner, which is entirely possible, you may not even know. So I always tell people if you buy a used vehicles, especially for a new driver, or you, you know you just want a beater to go through the winter or whatever, just take it. Call the dealer, give them the vehicle identification number, and they'll tell you, hey, this car got a recall. Got it got fixed. It didn't. It's not get it fixed because especially things like ignition switches and airbags, those are not things you want to play with. Again, another what two point three million vehicles are under the the next segment of Takata recalls. You know why they didn't recall them earlier? Why? Because Takata declared bankruptcy and they didn't want to declare it beforehand because then they wouldn't they would have even uh, more issues so in order to keep the penalty as low as possible they declare it then they call bankruptcy so now they say, like, oh that's a all the old corporation so that we aren't liable and that's how they get out from under paying the penalties of potentially someone you know getting hurt or killed and coming after them did, Taka- GM did the same thing
1: are Takata airbags in Fords?
2: Uh, they're in Fords. They're in Hondas. They're in Toyotas. They're in Nissan. They're in Mountain. Okay, cause um, I'm trying to think. They're in a bunch of different vehicles.
1: We have a 2005 Mustang, and it's got a uh, airbag recall. So I'm guessing it's one of those.
2: Yeah, I I've got a new Mustang. I've got it too. Actually, I have a Ford GT that has it in it as well. But uh, you know, uh-huh. I don't drive it enough <laughs> that it spends more time sitting than it does moving. It's not like you're going to go to the mall with it.
1: Speaking of airbags, now, there used to be a company in Lakeland, Florida. I think it was called Breed or something like that. Did they get bought out by Mm -hmm. Takata?
2: I don't remember. There's so much moving around in the industry right now. Um, I know Ford is looking at one of the electric car companies to buy. BMW is looking at potentially buying Faraday which is also interesting. Really? Um, so, we'll, Yeah. Oh, I got all kinds of juicy gossip from what's going on in the industry. Okay, well, but that that is Faraday's
1: definitely... the new company. That's that one that's supposed to be... No, they're, comp-
2: they're done. They're done? They're w- done. Weren't they, they competing no with money. Tesla they're... or something like that? He wanted to. It was a great idea. It came from China, hired a bunch of people away from BMW. Um, but, you know, when, when you start getting into all that, you have to keep in mind when you're going to start saying, I'm going to come up against so, so-and-so... You pretty much better have some cash. And I think they used a lot of it. So right now it looks like BMW uh, is, I'm going to, my prediction is BMW will acquire Faraday Future and Ford will acquire Lucid Motors. And the reason I, and they already started talking to they announced that today, and I, I had already written that down uh, yesterday at 6.15. I go, eh, I bet you Ford's going to buy Lucid because they need an electric car company. And the weird thing is, last year, 17.2 million new cars were sold. Of that, one percent were electric cars. One percent. We don't want these things, and they're being shoved down our throat. And in the state of California, you absolutely have to do them where you can't sell vehicles. What, kind of interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. All right, let's 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 jump overseas now. What, <clears throat> what's your thoughts on Volvo allegedly saying, we're not going to build any more uh, normally aspirated combustion engines. We're going strictly electric. And it wasn't Norway that supposedly said, uh, by year, what, 2020 or something like that? We're not having any internal combustion engines. Everything's got to be electric. So, I mean, keep in mind. Well, about-
2: I, think, I think that was skewed. That's my opinion. Okay. I Me- think when that Volvo statement came out, everybody, every news outlet under the sun was like, ooh, 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 let's jump in on this. But that's not really the facts. The facts on, uh, actually, I'm going to pull up the facts for you because there's been so much speculation and inaccurate information. Right now, there are 143 electric vehicles on the market. There will be by 2022. And you think, why? Why are they even building these things? Because people are saying that we want them. We don't. And the truth about it is, is Volvo is not going to go pure electric. There, it's a baseline for Volvo. will be gasoline or diesel with 48-volt system, which is required. that means bigger battery power for non, non-electricians. So the next step will be plug-in hybrid EVs, and the third and final step will be battery EVs. And it's all based on market demand. I actually spoke with an executive face-to-face in person that was in Europe driving the new XC60. And as he sees it, he goes, this is not a big radical change. We put it out there to create a stir. But basically, it's milder. And what they're saying is regular hybrids today, like the Prius and the Camry, we're going to offer that in addition to combustion engines with Turbochargers on them, and we'll see what people want. And if they want them, yeah, we'll convert. But there's no way they're going to convert everything. It's never going to happen. And just like Francis, we're gonna we're gonna ban all gasoline and diesel cars by by twenty by twenty thirty, you say? I'll bet you a hundred million dollars, which I don't have, <laughs> that that isn't going to happen. Because you're going to tell someone. Think about what we do. Right, we have old cars. First of you, to tell me I can't drive my my '65 Mustang. There's a lot of old cars in France, a lot of money there. But on the other hand, okay, maybe there'll be some exceptions for them. We'll, we'll call those exceptions. Okay, the average car on the road is about 12 years old and even older in Europe. When that vehicle is done, they don't take it to the trash yard. You sell it or give it to somebody else. They have a different. They don't have used cars like we do. But in our case, we sell it to somebody else. We trade it in. It goes to an auction. and goes to someone else's hands, right? for that to happen, it would take over 40 years if they stopped selling anything internal combustion today. It would take over 40 years to roll out the complete inventory.
1: You know, what's interesting, and, and and I could touch base on, and remember in California a number of years ago when they came to this crap like, uh, because I was in the salvage yard industry in the 90s, well, mm-hmm. in the mid-2000s, but remember how they had this thing, which I had a real issue with. this. Bogus carbon credit crap. So in other words, these ma- large Unicol. manufacturers. Pardon me. Unicol. Unicall. Okay. Um, right. I got Alan, a friend of mine, sitting here with me. He's a relatively knowledgeable. Hello. Folk. he's
0: doing? <laughs> he,
1: he's a Volvo guy Good, too. But he's a vintage Volvo yeah, collector, you know by what? the way.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Volvos, I drive around a 27-year-old 240 wagon. It's got cold air and a radio. Nice. And, and it, it, tell me, a hybrid electric car is going to last that long? Got some old four banger with a. Even an mm-hmm. older injection system in it, and the green, the carbon footprint of that over the lifetime of the car, to say per year, compared to an electric car, do the mm-hmm. do the numbers on that? I'm just curious. What's is there any real data discussion about that or what?
2: Well, there's no way that electric cars are going to last as long as regular vehicles. Mm-hmm. Batteries need to be replaced. That's going to be the same thing as you had to replace your engine. I mean, I'm a diesel fan. I've got two diesel SUVs, and I didn't trade them in after the leases. I bought them out because they are so much fun. If you've never driven a diesel-powered car or SUV, go drive one because there's nothing like torque because you buy horsepower and you drive torque. And like you said, if you take care of it like your Volvo, it's gonna, it'll last forever. But these electric vehicles will not last forever. You're talking about 40-volt systems. You're also talking about batteries that'll go bad, and there's still no resolution what to do with all the harmful materials that are inside those gigantic batteries. They're not regular batteries like it's in your vehicle and mine. These are pretty serious with mercury and cadmium and a a ton of other poisonous, hazardous materials, which we do not have a way to recycle.
0: They just dump the batteries in Mexico and China, right?
2: Right. Well, China's (laughs) going to have the biggest problem because they're the number one importer of oil. And when you think about that, they're saying we should go battery. Okay, where's this electricity coming from, okay? <laughs> cool, <laughs> nuclear, what What are we getting it from? Coal burning, a power lot plant, of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't care about polluting. They said that we have to watch about polluting, but they don't. So it seems to be the way things, I, I that's like the third time I've said that today, and I think about it, is that it's okay, for you, it's okay for you to live on electric vehicles, but not for me. And, and, I, and the reason I, uh, the other reason I came up today is I was at a Formula E race this past weekend. And I watched Richard Branson fly in in his gigantic personal jet to get on his personal helicopter to land on his personal yacht, all powered by fossil fuels. But it's okay for you. You drive the electric vehicles. I actually can do fly so you want. Know, <laughs> Don't get me going. It. And, we- it was, and it was like watching paint drive. I, I would y- never go to another one again. <laughs>
1: Are you talking about the Formula E races?
2: Oh, my gosh, yeah. I know some people said it was great. You know what? Go to go to the IMSA races this weekend at Lime Rock. You'll see my husband racing there in an IMSA car. Come to a vintage race somewhere. I'll be at Watkins Glen in a couple weeks. That's real cars. Watch <laughs> real cars. We'll melt down a couple dinosaurs. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the, at the E
0: race, the cars will go by. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they don't even do that. No, you don't even hear that. But interesting, because the traction is so good and the power is so strong, because obviously battery is only good for a short period of time. Um, they use treaded, very hard rubber tires because really? they don't want them to have good traction. So the challenge is keeping control of the vehicle. Like
0: it used to be. Like it used yeah, to
2: be. Wow, treaded tires
1: though. Yeah, tread in rain. Like that's like rain tires. Ask Phil. Yeah, here.
2: <laughs> that's terrible.
1: All right, tell us a little bit about what uh, your friend uh, Mister Fisker's got going on with Karma. Now, the first thing went uh, Fisker cars went belly up. Now they're somebody bought them out, and they're going back at it again. So now. So the Karma is basically the,
2: the Fisker car. The Karma is owned by a company called Revolution. Right. Uh, they were at the LA Auto Show and they had the vehicle there, and I guess he's selling them. They're crazy prices. He literally walked into a factory that was like, "Shut the lights off and walk out." So there were parts on the shelf. There were cars partially assembled. There were cars that were completed. It was all because of that battery one-two-three. took all those government subsidies. It's interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you're, you're, so, break, you're breaking up there a little bit. But this is where I wanted to go with this. Now, I know your favorite, favorite all-time car company is Tesla. Mm,
2: uh, and and, no,
1: and, and, and oh, wait a minute. We've actually been trying to get Elon Musk on the show. Now, I will have a very civil conversation with him. However, I'm like you. Good luck. I, I have a problem with you know, it's been a hundred and some odd years and they've had battery powered cars, cause Jay Leno he comes on our show every once in a while and he's yeah, you know, he's like a baker. <laughs> right.
0: <Yeah. laughs> Everyone knows that. Yeah, he's car. And,
1: and, and it, that steam engine thing, yeah. Uh, uh, but listen, but listen. So they've had a hundred years to develop uh battery technology. And here's where I take issue with this stuff, and I understand politics plays a role, but yep. e- so it's not like it's new technology. So why did it take so long? Never mind the fact that—and they use this as an excuse. Well, fossil fuel was so cheap, and that's why we went with internal combustion engines. Okay, let's go back to nineteen, the teens and the 20s. They had five-valve per 15, cylinders. Yeah. They had twin overhead cams. They had all the same technology, the same technology that we had— Back then, we have today, they've just refined it. Well, what happened to batteries? Did they forget about them? And just like you said, they're coming out with lithium and ion and this and all. And I don't even know what half this crap is. But I do know that to get rid of it, it's no different than nuclear waste, which it might as well be. And what have we been doing forever? Burying it in mountains and in Nevada and places like that out there in somebody's backyard? That's a joke. That's a joke. But yet they push in this thing and, like you said, force it down our throat. And then to make matters worse, make matters worse. We subsidize them. That's why I have a problem. And then why is That's the stock... That's I have a
2: problem with Elon Musk, too. Five billion dollars. Five billion dollars he's sucked out of the government, out of your pocket and mine. And then you get people like the, the state of California. They're going to put in charging stations. Where are they putting them in? We're going to make it for everyone. They're putting them in the poorest neighborhoods. Why in the world would you do that? They're not going to be able to afford those cars. They're the ones driving the fourteen year old car that you traded in and you saw a twenty some year old car, they don't have any money. Sometimes they can't even afford a car, they take mass transit, so why would you put charging stations in the worst area of LA? At our expense, expense by the way. Sense. And we're paying for that. Yeah. So it's... are the poor people. Think about it. Yeah. you every day you buy something, you pay sales tax and they're going to increase the tax by an additional ten percent. To pay for all these electric charging stations. And so wealthy guys who've got nothing else to do, and the reason I say guys, not girls, is because the average person buying a Tesla makes about $250,000 a year and is in their mid-40s on up. These are wealthy people that are part of the 1%. And I'm not shunning that, but I'm saying they're the ones taking advantage of the $7,500 tax credit, the free charging station, and the discounted Tesla. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, why is someone who can barely afford to put food on the table funding these guys? Then I would rather see that money go to roads and bridges, education, or something else that makes sense. Certainly not to, so that some rich person can buy a, a better car than his buddy.
1: And oh, wait a minute, let's talk about Tesla resale value. Why don't you go there for us a little mm-hmm. bit? I have my spin on it because oh, I watch the hold- auctions. But you tell us.
2: Yeah, you know, he's got piles of them. He doesn't know what to get, he can't get rid of them. So he has to hold his own lease. The reason he does is you go to the Ford dealer and you buy a Mustang. So your Mustang is leases up in three years. The dealer takes the vehicle back. Ford Motor Credit holds the leasing paperwork, right? Right. You know all the paperwork. You get the whole that huge, gigantic, long piece of paper. It looks like, you know, a scroll. <laughs> and, you know, you know what you're going to pay out. You know what the monthly is. That's held by Ford Motor Company, which is a bank. So there's a financial company involved. Well, he cannot legally, Tesla cannot legally lease you a vehicle. The reason he can't lease you a vehicle is he's not a dealership because he didn't. He wanted to bypass all the dealership rules and call himself a tech company. Your lease is not technically a lease, so you don't have any protections that a lease gives you as a consumer. That's where the problem lies. So now he has, he has to hold his own paper for his own cars. That's how he's doing the leasing. And he's going to get the $7,500 tax credit, not you. He shares in some with you when you get a lower payment, but you're not getting that seventy five hundred dollar tax credit because you don't own the lease. He owns the lease. That's the difference. Whoa. So he's got all these vehicles coming off of lease, and nobody wants to buy them. Why would you want to buy a used iPhone? Essentially, you want to call yourself a tech company. People don't want to buy used tech. They want <laughs> new tech.
1: That's exactly you're right. A
2: wealthy guy, right?
1: Well, you talk about. Plan obsolescence and something turning elite or obsolete. There you go. That's 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 a, a super example. I want to know why a stocks in the three hundred dollar range and Ford Motor Company is like you know less than fifteen bucks and General Motors is under thirties. Well, Explain that to me.
2: I'm not a I'm not a stock expert, but I will tell you what I do know. What I do know is he knows it's artificially inflated. Okay. He has a huge following, and everyone knows if you can short the stock. In other words, let's put a ton of money in and buy a ton of stock, so the stock price goes up right? Everyone's buying. Everyone wants to support his efforts. So all of his buddies, all of these financial guys that love to buy and sell, these day traders, everybody else, they're all buying stock. The value of the stock goes up, supply and demand. Right. And then everyone goes, oh man, it's at 200. Sell, 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 sell. Everybody sells. The price drops down. If you watch, if you're, if you're good at the stock market, you can watch the price go up and down, up and down, up and down. And it keeps building because next time you and I go, hey, wait a minute, I can get in on this. I'm going to go buy 100,000 shares. Not that I can afford that, but let's just say I did. I went and bought 100,000 shares for my client, and then I watched the price go up because everyone buys, and then I sell along with everyone else. So it's all on the me-too factor. He is well aware that it's artificially inflated, and its actual value is less than that of Ford. But, you know, there will be a correction at some point when I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to try and predict that. But I will tell you this. If Scott Pruitt, who's in charge of the EPA, pulls all those carbon credits he doesn't have a leg to stand on because <laughs> right now he's in such financial trouble he put out a note saying i need money and suddenly his stock price went up this past week or the week we just finished because he was having a cash flow crunch he couldn't even afford to build his cars so who wow. knows he says the model three's coming out i wouldn't hold my breath because right now chevy bolt just put their whole production line on hold there's a dealer in Rhode Island that's got 200 Chevy Bolts sitting on their lot. There's a guy in California in Palo Alto. Everyone who wanted them bought them. They're, like, they're less expensive than a Model 3. People don't want them. The price of gasoline is reasonable. And then look at the price of electricity. It's actually higher than that of a Camry Hybrid, which I would rather have, because if I got a problem, I'd go to any Toyota dealer and get it fixed. Now, so think about that before you buy a Hybrid. It doesn't make sense. It really just doesn't. If gas were $15 a gallon, absolutely. Gas were $5 a gallon. Right. I have to keep the car like six years, eh, maybe. But I would never buy one. If you told me I had to buy one, you have to buy one. I'd buy a BMW i8 just because it looks cool. Other than that, I really wouldn't buy
1: one. <laughs> All right. On that note, Lauren, we're up against the clock. Uh, I definitely want to have Sorry, you, you got on. got
2: me going. No, no, I know, I
1: know, I know. And that's why I told <laughs> you. And then, and, then, and then the next time... You're going to be in Monterey, so what we'll do is I'll get you on probably in the fall or something like that just before SEMA, and then we'll pick up the story on the uh, penny stock, Tesla. But at any rate,
0: no, Lord,
1: Lauren- <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show to SEMA. I want to thank my special guest, Lauren Fix, the car coach. Check out her... Well, follower, Lauren Fix, the car coach. And uh, in the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into Nostalgic Nostalgia Cars. Don't forget to check out our website, callstreammotorsports.com, and that's where you can find us every Tuesday night. Between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that other good social media stuff. Alan, thanks for chopping in. Okay. Charlie, thanks for calling in. Hey, Bye. Rob, we played uh, REO Speedwagon for you, and we'll see you at some of the car shows in the meantime, everybody. In the meantime, yeah, I'll do that. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, safe, drive carefully, <laughs> we'll love you. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.
0: I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown
2: Dave.
1: I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. one.
2: W C F, Dade City, Tampa
1: Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.